Wonderful guys. If we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church plant as a lead pastor on eldership with Herrick and Heather Berga. My wife, Ebony, is serving in kids this morning. Uh, for whatever reason, how many of you guys have gotten a, like, infected by the bug, like the black plague that's going around, the bubonic plague? This is something that's like sweeping through this valley, and so many people are sick this morning. So just be praying that God uh, lets these or causes these sicknesses to subside quickly. It's always tough when a whole household goes down, you know, it's gnarly. So all that being said, I'm grateful to be with you this morning. I've been able to, uh, I've been able to avoid this sickness, and I'm like, God, yeah, let's keep this thing rolling. Like, I want to I stay healthy, you know? Uh, this morning, I think, is going to be a special morning for us. Uh, I throw that word around quite a bit, because I think being together is special and everything, but... Um, I don't ever want to preach and have it not be something that I'm convinced that God wants to say. There has to be a prophetic element whenever we open the word of God because it's God speaking and declaring something, you know? Um, but I feel like today's unique. Um, so I want to just kind of, before we get started, I'm going to pray for us in just a bit, but I really want us to kind of settle in this morning because I think God has something special for us. So that being said, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 today. Matthew chapter 1. We are like kind of right in the middle of the Advent season. I know a lot of you parents have been doing the advent calendars where there's chocolate and the kids are stoked on that and hopefully that develops over into being stoked on Jesus too, you know, that's our prayer. Um, but advent is this, the four, the kind of the four week period leading up to what? Christmas. Christmas. Colton is the only person who's excited about Christmas in this room. Yes, Christmas is coming. We all know this, right? And advent is all about what? It's about waiting. It's about waiting. And it's funny because we as Americans, we... Is there anything that we dislike more than waiting? Uh, we are the land of fast food. We are the land of Amazon and two-day shipping, which if any of you work for Amazon in this season, it's, or the Postal Service or UPS or FedEx or anything that's like shipping people packages and gifts, chaos, right? But Americans, they hate to wait. And I'm an American and I tend to fall in this category. You're an American, I bet you do too. Um, and I think part of that is because we as Americans, we view waiting as like a negative thing. We don't like it. We don't like it for a reason. We believe it's negative. But there's also kind of a, a positive form of waiting. It's this idea of, of waiting with anticipation. Okay, this would be like a child who can't sleep on Christmas Eve, right? Do you remember this when you were a kid? You're like, 12 hours? Like, there's going to be presents underneath the tree? I can't wait. This idea of waiting with anticipation, it's actually like kind of a good thing. Or the bride, you know, before her wedding day, that kind of thing. Uh, this tends, this like hit me recently. I, I, I don't travel a ton, but maybe three, four times a year, I'll do somewhat of an international trip for ministry. And oftentimes the flights are really long. And I'm talking like over 10, 12 hours long. Um, and then maybe taking another connection flight and it's another eight hours. So just like big chunks of time, they can be really tough. The hardest part about these trips is oftentimes I'm away from my family. And that's, and when I say my family, I include the church in that as well. But for me, it's like, I always remember like the last flight home, whether I'm taking one, two, three, four flights home, whatever it is, the last flight home, I'm like, I just want to hug my wife and hold my babies. Like I miss my family. I miss my church, this anticipation to being reunited, you know? You see, because this idea of anticipation in regards to waiting, it happens when there's purpose in the timing of something. Christmas is tomorrow. The wedding is tomorrow. I get to be with my family tomorrow. 
There's a set date. There's purpose in that timing. But here's the thing. When waiting feels delayed, when it feels like time's being wasted, you know, like when you call in to make an appointment or you call in because you need help on, you know, that you call, whatever it is, whether it's your cell phone bill or whether it's you're making an appointment with a doctor or a dentist or you need something taken care of, you're doing, dealing with warranty stuff, you call in and they say, okay, how may I direct your call? You know, you push the number and it directs it to whatever, if you need sales or you need customer service and you go there and someone on the other end of the phone goes, okay, how can I help you? And you describe your problem. They go, okay, I'll transfer you to so-and-so. And then you wait, and the music plays, and they transfer you to whoever so-and-so. That transfer you to, to Timmy, okay? They transfer you to Timmy, and now Timmy picks up the phone, and he's like, hey, how can I help you? And you explain your problem, and he goes, okay, let me transfer you to Sharon. And then Sharon picks up the phone, and she's like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to put you on hold. And then what happens is that, like, robo voice comes on, you know? And it tells you where, the good ones tell you where you are in line. You, have you heard these ones? Where they're like, you are, you know, 67th in line. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, you know? And then the, the, the really good ones will tell you how long your estimated wait time is. You know, your estimated wait time is 75 years. And you're like, oh my gosh, this idea of waiting, we hate it. When it feels like time is being wasted, when it feels like something's delayed, we can't stand it. It's funny, uh, psychologists have, la- I'm technically a millennial, and I say technically because I didn't really grow up with the internet, but I'm still lumped into the millennial generation. But psychologists have dubbed millennials the instant gratification generation. It's this idea of like, I want what I want, and when do I want it? Yeah, well, you guys are, yeah. <laughs> I want it now, you know? So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this idea of what it means to wait and what waiting has to do with Christmas, Okay? So, before we jump into Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to pray for us, okay? Holy Spirit, would you help us this morning, please? Would you kind of open the eyes of our heart? Help us to see things clearly. Help us to see Jesus clearly. Help us to see ourselves clearly. I really want to honor you and honor my, my friends and family in this room. So, just help us to pause just in this moment, we really want to receive from you. Help us to posture our hearts, our minds, our bodies even, to receive from you. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, so Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 18 through 25, okay? Here we go. The, the words will be on the screen if you need that too, guys. Okay, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ, okay? The word Christ is obviously, it's not Jesus' last name. You know this. The word Christ means Messiah, means Savior, right? The Jews, they're, they're, they're waiting for this Messiah, this, this deliverer, this Savior, Jesus the Christ. So the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce divorce her secretly. So he thinks that, you know, she's she's with child now. It's not from him. The only other explanation from that was that something else occurred, okay? So she's like, okay, this isn't going to work. She's stepped out. I'm going to end things quietly, not publicly. Verse 20. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
verse 21. There's, man, really quick, there's power in that verse 20. Like what's conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. Like I want what's conceived in me to be the Holy Spirit. I want what's conceived in you. I want what's conceived in this church and the life of every single one of us to be the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, we'll keep going. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from, his, or from their sins. Now the reason it says because, they, they named him Jesus because he will save people from their sins is because the name Jesus, it's actually, it's the name Yeshua translated in English to Jesus, right? So if you hear Yeshua, it's Jesus. But his name means Yahweh saves. And Yahweh is the, the name of Israelite God, right? The, the, the God of the Bible, the triune God of the Bible, gives himself a name, and it's Yahweh, right? So Jesus' name literally means Yahweh saves. So when it says, they named him Jesus because he will save his people from his sins, is that's his purpose. And it's what his name actually means. It's kind of a beautiful thing. Let's keep going, verse 22. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, this is the prophecy, verse 23. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Okay, so we're going to talk about what it means to wait and what waiting has to do with Christmas, okay? Okay, to get things started, I need two volunteers. This is going to be a pretty intense moment, okay? Hands high, hands high. Okay, Sienna and Erica, this is going to be great. Okay, Sienna, Her- or, you know, I almost said Harrison. Sienna and Erica, come on up. Here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to stand over by Herrick and Heather, and you're not going to be happy with this. Um, okay, bring out the bugs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> it's not fear factor or anything. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to play an old-fashioned game of red light, green light. Is everybody familiar with red light, green light? I'm going to explain it if not. Okay, so Erica, here. Sienna, here. No pushing and shoving, ladies. Okay, so red light, green light is the classic schoolyard game. You, go, you can move on green light, right? So the officiant, which will be me, says green light, and you can move. Red light, you have to freeze. You have to stop or you're eliminated. Okay? So here's the deal. Red light, green, yacht, green light. I'm going to feedback. First person to that step. First person to that step wins. Okay? You guys ready for this? Can we, like, do the whole, like, make some noise? You know, like, okay. So, all right, no betting, okay? Red light. Green light. Red light, red light. 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 Thanks, girls. So you guys can sit down. <laughs> Silly, I know. Thank you, girls, so much. Um, God gives us red light seasons, and sometimes they're short. 
And sometimes they're really long. Sometimes it feels like it's been a long time since he said green light. And we're people, we don't like to wait. Um, I want to take a moment and just kind of talk about this. I think there's something here for us in our church, this idea of red light seasons and green light seasons. I think it's appropriate, too, that the Christmas colors, you know? Like, I think God's in this. And, and here's the thing. Red light seasons can be really difficult. They don't have to be, but they can be. They can be really difficult. They can be really painful. They can be tough. Um, they're hard for me because I'm the kind of person, I want progress in my life. Like, I want to move forward. And especially, gosh, especially if circumstances aren't the way I want them to be. Like, if the things around me aren't what I want them to be, I, I'm not okay. I want progress. I want to move forward. I don't like the circumstances I am, I'm in. I know many of you are in a red light season right now. Chances are most of you in the room are in a red light season right now. Some of you are waiting on health. Health to improve, whether it's you or a loved one. You're waiting. I mean, we just talked about it. Like, so many households have been sick the last couple weeks. It's wild. There's bugs going around. So some, some, some more serious health things and some less serious health things, but nonetheless, at best, inconvenient. Not fun. Painful, even. Some of you guys are waiting on test results. And there's this like uncertainty with that, you know? Waiting on health. Some of you guys are waiting for like financial stuff to change, your financial reality to change. Like things are tight. You, you, you find that you, you don't have what you want slash need. And you're like, I, uh, I'm waiting for this to improve. I'm waiting for this to change. I need, I want more money. For others, you're just waiting for the next step, man. You're waiting for the next step for your career. Like, gosh, I've been, I've been in this place for a while now. I feel like I'm this old, and at this point in my life, I should be a little bit farther. I, I want to progress in this. Maybe you know, it's your career. Maybe it's just your calling in general. I know God's birthed something, and he's planted a seed in my heart that hasn't come to fruition yet. I know I'm made for more than this. And some of you even have that dream in your heart, but you're not walking in it yet. Some of you haven't even discerned the dreams that God's placed in your heart and your mind yet. This idea of waiting on calling. Some of you are tired of being single. I'm, I'm, I want to get married. Like, I, 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 I want a spouse. Um, red light seasons. Do you know how long Jesus' red light season was? 30 years. He didn't start his ministry until he was 30. 30 years, man. A 30-year-long red light season. Now, the truth is, the vast majority of our lives will actually be spent in these red light seasons. I mean, it happened with Jesus, right? So chances are most of us in the room, myself included, are in a red light season to one degree or another. Therefore, what is it for you? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for, or for what are you waiting? The Jews, uh, we were just talking about here in Matthew chapter 1, the Jews, they're waiting for their Messiah, they're waiting for their Savior, and their red light season lasted thousands of years. 
like generations, guys. Like imagine raising your kids and your grandkids and your great, 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 great grandkids. Red light season. So really practically, I want to jump into this because I think it's helpful for us. When you're in a red light season, when I'm in red light season, we really only have three options. You ready for them? You can write these down if you're taking notes. You have three options. You can wait, you can worry, or you can walk away. That's it. Wait, worry, walk away. Let me just say, all W's, strong alliteration. You're welcome. Yes. Classic preaching move, right? Alliteration. So you can wait, you can worry, or you can walk away. Um, We'll come back to wait. We're going to talk about that more at length here, but I want to touch on worry really quickly. Why do we worry? You ever find yourself anxious? You ever find yourself worried? If, If you have a pulse, the chances are, yes, you have or you do regularly, right? So we worry. Why? Because we're afraid that we're not going to get what we want. Think about it. The implications of that run deep. Even, here's the thing, even if what you want is a good thing, that's not bad. Whether it's health improvement or financial improvement or, 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 or to be married or to have children or to walk in your calling, awesome things to want, amen? So even if, it's a, even if the want is good, that's not what we're talking about here. We worry because we're afraid that we won't get what we want, There's an element of doubt there. There's a variable missing. And here's the thing, this idea of worry, Jesus talked about worry like more than a few times in the scriptures. He said, don't do it. It's not good for you. Don't worry. Because here's the thing about worry, guys. Remember, you can wait, you can worry, or you can walk away. The thing about worrying is it inevitably leads to walking away. What do I mean by walking away? Let's talk about it. What I mean by walking away is a departure from walking with God. Okay, I'm not talking about necessarily losing your salvation. I'm talking about if Jesus is walking in this direction, the shepherd is walking north, okay? And walking north looks like his way, life abundant, life at peace, doing things his way, his kingdom, his rule, right? You with me in this? Jesus is walking north. It's about not walking in step behind him, okay? So this silly analogy, if, like, if you decide you're so angry you want to murder someone, like Jesus isn't walking that way. That's not following him. You with me in this? So that's what I'm talking about with this idea of departure from walking with God. Okay? It, it, can, look, it can look like a bunch of different ways because it's essentially like, it can be at least, taking matters into your own hands. So when we talk about timing, right? So maybe it's like you're starting to force things, you're getting really impatient. The worry's, now, the worry's now drifting into walking away. I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. This is like the classic move is like when the Christian starts dating the non-Christian. You know what I mean? Like I dealt with this a ton back in San Diego where like these incredible women, these young women that are just wonderful and sweet and lovely and love Jesus, they desire to be married so much that they start making compromises about the men that they start dating. Like just sketchy dudes who want to use them for a plethora of reasons. And th- what they're doing is they've now, they've, they've started to walk away. They've started, they've, they've, they're starting to walk less with Jesus because they want something else more. Are you with me? It's that kind of idea, right? Another good one is the, uh, the, like when you start to take on irresponsible debt. And I use the word irresponsible there for a reason because, I mean, there's, there's helpful debt, whether it's like, you know, some, I mean, you guys have a mortgage. Like chances are the vast majority of people can't pay for a house in cash. Right? So you need a place to live. It's a wise move. It can be a wise move to invest in a house for sure, right? 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking irresponsible debt. There's a difference between like a mortgage and like racking up credit card debt because you want to wear certain clothes or you want to, you know, whatever. Go on certain trips, things that you can't afford. Spending money you don't have. The classic line is what? Spending money you don't have to impress people you don't like. That thing, right? So there's a difference between like irresponsible debt and your mortgage. So that's not what I'm saying. But when you take matters into your own hands, that's what I'm talking about. What else is walking away? Oftentimes it looks like getting bitter with God or getting bitter with other people. Why? Because you're not getting what you want when you want it. And God calls us. He created us to love him and to love other people. So when we're bitter towards him or we're bitter towards other people, something's off there. Ultimately, this idea is just no longer following Jesus in the moment. It's walking away. So, red light season. You can wait, you can worry, or you can walk away. And this idea of walking away, the Bible calls this sin. It doesn't pull any punches. It calls it sin. So, wait, worry, or walking away. There's a better way than worrying or walking away. It's called waiting. Let's talk about it. How do you actually wait? Like, what do you do? Is it just you sit there and twiddle your thumbs? Like, tell me what I need to do. Because if Jesus' if Jesus's red light season was 30 years, did he just sit on the couch? Like, what, what is this idea of wait? I'm convinced. Psalm, go, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is such an incredible psalm written by King David. We have so much, we can learn so much from this psalm. We're going to spend some time in here going through this. I am going to preach long. It's going to happen today, just so you know. Um, But either way, Psalm 27, I'm going to read the last verse really quick, verse 14, and I'm going to start hopping around in Psalm 27. Okay, I'll try to pick it up. Psalm 27, verse 14, the words will be on the screen. This final verse of Psalm 27, it kind of summarizes the whole psalm. Okay, this is what it says. What's the first word? Wait. Okay? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Okay? Here's the big idea for this morning. Okay? Again, if you're taking notes, write this down. The big idea. Wait is an action. Wait is a verb. Wait is a verb and it's spelled P-O-W-E-R. Wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. Look at verse, uh, verses 7 and 8 in Psalm 27. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Okay, wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. The P is power. I'm sorry, the P is, that's how you spell it. The P is prayer. You're with me. I didn't have coffee this morning. The P is prayer. Wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. The P is prayer. So you, you just read it there in, in verses seven and eight. He's, he's calling out to God. He's crying out to God. So when you're in a red light season, friends, what do you do? It's a, wait's a verb, P-O-W-E-R. You pray, man. You cry out to God. You ask and you pray for his kingdom to come, for his will to happen and take place on earth as it is in heaven. You cry out to him. You, you cry out to him and ask him for direction in your life. God, where do I go? When do I go? What do I do? Direction. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him to bless you. Pray for his blessing. Pray for him to bless you practically. 
and regularly pray for fruitfulness in your life, right? Uh, Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these beautiful fruits of the spirit that, that can make their way into our life. Pray for fruitfulness, pray for provision, what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. That doesn't just include bread, Like, pray for provision. Ask him for these things. Pray for the desire of your heart. He already knows what it is. Ask him for it. Pray that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, his love for you that's unending, that he lived in your place, that he died in your place, and then he'll credit you that righteousness and that freedom from sin, Satan, and death. The gospel, pray that it moves from knowledge, from your head to your heart. There's, there's a difference between believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Pray for those things. Don't stop. Um, when I'm in a season of, like when I'm in a red light season, do you want to know how I pray? I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Here's how I pray, friends. Like, honestly, this is silly, but this is what I do. I lock myself in a room until I'm weeping at God's love and grace for me. That might sound silly. That's what I do. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes three hours. And I'm just like meditating on scripture and I got my worship playlist and I'm just crying out to God and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm focusing my heart and mind on him. I want his, I want to be aware of his grace. God, show me, bless me, teach me. Like I'm crying out to God. Remind me, help the gospel move from just knowledge in my head to a reality that my heart feels and experiences. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's three hours. You're like, dude, Tom, I I can't afford the time to do that. (sighs) Listen to me, you can't afford not to. Especially if the majority of your life is going to be a red light season. You know what's cool about that when I do that? God's batting average is perfect. He meets me in that place every single time. Wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. The P is pray, cry out to God, okay? Um, Look at verse 11 in Psalm 27. It says this, because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R, the W I'm sorry, the O is is obey. It's obey, his way, right? Show me your way, living God's way. He's describing righteous living. What what would Jesus do if he was you? Obedience. Um, And and here's the thing. So when you're in a red light season, it's this idea of pursuing holiness, pursuing God's way for you. Essentially what we're talking about here is just rejecting sin. We're rejecting sin, right? And this could be big things. This could be little things. This could be murder. This could be fibbing, like embellishment, whatever. Like pursue obedience. Like actually follow through with God's instruction. We know what most of them are. Um, can I confess sin to you guys really quick? You ready for this? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday night we had our gospel community over at the house. Wonderful time. And typically what we do with the girls is we, when we have a discussion time with adults, we put our girls in our bedroom 
and they can like watch a cartoon and they have their food, right? So we give them food and they just so happen to have mac and cheese. So Wednesday was like, before, before our gospel community gathered, it was a crazy day of ministry. Um, not like necessarily bad, just totally full. And I was like spent. You ever have those days where you're like, I poured myself out. Like I got nothing left. Like I tried to honor Jesus and love people the best way I could. I, could, I felt like I could go to bed like knowing, okay, this was a day. I poured myself out, feel good about it. It's cool. Here's the hard thing. For me, on a day like that, I'm physically exhausted, but mentally, I can't turn it off. Like I need to have a moment where I'm just like, I need to collect myself for maybe 30, 45 minutes so that I'm not just laying in bed all night blinking, you know? And so Ebony went to bed before me. And so she's like, hey, I told her, I'm like, I'm going to stay up just a little bit. I just need to clear my mind and pray and just kind of like calm down and mellow out before bed. And so I walk into our room. And typically when one of us goes to bed, we'll leave like the bathroom light on just so there's enough light to where we can kind of see and not stumble, right? No, No lights on. And um, so I come around the corner, and I step, and I instantly know there's a problem. I stepped into a plate of macaroni and cheese. And in that moment, <laughs> my precious wife is asleep in bed, and the thought went through my mind, how do I react to this? And what I did, I was a total jerk. What is this? This is gross. Like, oh my gosh, there's no light on. There's macaroni and cheese on the floor. Like, who, why didn't you pick this up before you went to bed? What the crap? Like, so I was a total jerk to my wife. I totally justified disobeying God in my treatment of her. It was ridiculous because I stepped in macaroni and cheese. She probably didn't even know it was there. She was thrashed too. I'm a jerk. I disobey God by being unloving to my wife, and I'm justifying it because circumstances aren't what I want them to be. Fill in the blank. Either she didn't pick it up or it happened in the first place. I'm uncomfortable. Now I've tracked macaroni and cheese through our bedroom. I can laugh at it now, but it's ridiculous. Like, I justified sinning against Ebony because I had a long day. It's ridiculous, huh? So listen, in these red light seasons these seasons of waiting. Don't allow the, like your circumstances in your life or even other people to determine whether or not you're going to obey Jesus. Your calling to obey him is the same no matter what. So don't, don't fall prey to the temptations of the enemy like I did on Wednesday night and justify disobeying God because of fill in the blank. Okay? <clears throat> Go ahead and go to verse 6 in Psalm 27. Verse 6 says this, Then my head will be high above my enemies around me, and because of that, I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Okay, wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. The W is worship. It's worship. Okay, praise him. Thank him. When you're in a season of waiting... Lift up your praise to your king, man. Thank him, praise him, sing to him. Your body, just so you know, you need, you were created to sing and exclaim and proclaim and praise the greatness and the glory of God. You can say, I don't like to sing, I don't like to praise, BS. 
BS. Every person sings at a heart level about something. You praise something, whether it's sports, whether it's a discount at Macy's, whether, whatever it is. Like, you praise things. You were created to. You can't help it. It's part of who you are. It's part of what you, how you're wired, okay? And see, in red light seasons, worship him. Praise him. Sing to him. Do it alone and do it with the church. There's benefit to both, okay? But what if your heart's not in it? Tom, I don't want to be like a hypocrite. I don't want to like lift my voice and praise and sing to God if my heart's not there. Praise him until it is. Praise him until it is. Like, we've talked, I've preached on this before, but I just want to touch base on it. When, we, when the people of God praise him, the scriptures talk about how it magnifies God. So when God is praised, he's magnified, which means he's seen more clearly for who he truly is. So when you praise, God is magnified. When he's magnified, you see him more clearly. Guess what's going to happen to your heart when you see who God is more clearly in his gracious, loving, kindness, holy being? Like, your, your heart's going to follow, huh? Your heart's going to follow. So your heart might not be into it. Praise him until it is, okay? It's only a matter of time until your heart starts to see things clearly. Look at verse 4 in Psalm 27. David says this, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen to this. Gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. Okay? Worship is a verb. Something you do, it's a verb. It's spelled P-O-W-E-R. The E is enjoy. Enjoy him. Enjoy him and his blessings, okay? Enjoy God's grace. Enjoy his mercy. Enjoy his love. You guys know the difference between grace and mercy, right? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve, right? So you get let off the hook kind of thing. That's mercy. Someone, have mercy on me. I, I, don't, don't give me what I deserve. So that's an amazing thing. God's merciful to us. Grace takes it a step further. Grace is actually getting something that you don't deserve, namely forgiveness. Like, enjoy him. Enjoy his grace and forgiveness. Enjoy the love that he has for you. Enjoy the, the, the plethora of blessings that he's blessed you with in your life, man. Uh, James chapter one talks about how every good and perfect gift is from above. Every gift in your life, every blessing in your life, the big ones, the small ones, there's a giver of the gift. So whether it's enjoying your spouse, whether it's enjoying your kids, whether it's enjoying the weather, whether it's whatever, a meal, Do you know your enjoyment of the gift is actually incomplete until it makes its way back to the giver? So you have permission in red light seasons to enjoy God and enjoy the plethora of blessings he's blessed you with. Air in your lungs is a good place to start. Enjoy him. Um, How many of you know there's a difference between like eating a meal and savoring a meal. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, you know what I'm talking about, though? Like a filet cooked perfectly, and like a, a potato with the perfect consistency, and like a rich, thick glass of red wine, and like 
taking your time. Do you know what I mean? Not just like, oh, it tastes so good. I'm going to, but like, I'm starting to solve here right now, man. Like, (laughs) cut it slowly. Don't chew it like five times and swallow it because your body just like wants to chew it a lot and taste it deeply. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a difference. There's a difference. Um, You can do that with your whole life. And you should do that, especially in red light seasons. The other day I was sitting with my youngest, Vivian, she was sitting on my lap. And guys, I was just enjoying her. Uh, she got uh, a thing, like a small little thing of, of Skittles, you know, like the kid-sized Skittles. And she's like, Dad, can I please have this? And I'm like, yeah, you can. So she sat on my lap, and we were playing this game where I was like, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to put a, a, one Skittle in your mouth, and you have to guess what color it is based on the taste. Like slowing down, tasting it. And like, it's her dad, guys. It sounds, I know it's silly and stupid and stuff, but like just watching her facial expressions and dialoguing with her and connecting with her heart over the simple joys of the blessings in our life, namely us being together, but being able to taste something that she thinks tastes good. In red light seasons, man, enjoy him and his blessings. Him, not just things about him. Enjoy him and his blessings. Um, quick note on that. The quickest way, the, quick, the quickest way to sabotaging, to sabotaging enjoying God, like if you want to sabotage it, just focus on what you don't have. Just, it'll destroy it instantly. If you want to, if you want to sabotage enjoying God, focus on what you don't have, right? Um, I think there's kind of this misunderstanding of greed. People talk about greed, especially in America, a ton. Um, the opposite of greed is not generosity, the opposite of greed is not generosity. The opposite of greed is contentment. Because, I mean, think about it, right? Like, if you're content, you don't need more. You don't need more. You're content with what you have. So here's my question for you, personally. When was the last time you slowed down enough to truly enjoy God? Like, to taste it. Perfect transition to the R in power. Wait is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. The R is reflect. Look at the first two verses of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my, en- and my enemies stumbled and fell. What's David doing here? He's reflecting. He's reflecting on who God is and what God has done. Okay, he, and he's reflecting on what that means for him, who God is and what God's done and what that means for David. Namely, that he doesn't have to be afraid. It was awesome. Um, on Thursday night, we had all the GC leaders at our house for dinner, and we spent a wonderful time after dinner just kind of reflecting on all that God had done this last season in our communities. A lot of red light seasons across the board, but God's faithfulness, just person, person after person around the table. God did this, and God did this, and he showed himself faithful in this, and he's growing this person in spectacular ways in this, and I'm seeing this happen in this. All fantastic, amazing um, like evidences of God's intervening love and care in the life of our church. And it was awesome. It was fantastic. 
Here's why. Because when we reflect on who God is and what he's done and what that means for us, confidence and faith for what's next starts to rise. It's awesome. Why? Because God doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, forever. His desire to see all things renewed, starting with people like you and me, it's not changing. He's after that. It's his mission. It's his agenda. So when you're in a red light season, reflect on who he is, on what he's done and what that means for you. So really quick to recap, in red light seasons, you can do three things. What are they? You can wait, you can worry, or you can walk away. Two of those three, two of those three are sin and they will ruin your life. Okay, I'm almost done. Um, One of the things that we have for this to make sense, we have to understand this idea of walking away, how dangerous it is for us. Because when we walk away, it is sin. It's disobeying him. We're not walking with him. We're walking in a different direction. We're doing our own thing, okay? That's, that's sin. And, what's the, and that the crappy thing is, is that sin is what separates man from God. Okay, it separates man from God. And here's the thing that we have to know. We have to know we sin because we want to. I'm going to say that again. We sin because we want to. There's something that we desire more than walking with and in the direction of King Jesus. Jesus says to do X, but for me to do X means I can't get Y when I want Y. You with me on this? We sin because we want to. It's the reality, okay? We walk away because we want to. Here's the question I want to end on for us this morning. We've been talking a ton about what we want today. What does God want? And what does that have to do with Christmas? Um, what I'm about to do, I'm going to take like four, maybe five minutes, and then I'll be done. I, I borrowed this from a mentor of mine, this guy John Tyson in, in New York City. He borrowed it from the Bible, so it's cool. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to, bear with me, okay? I'm going to kind of fly through Genesis to Revelation. Beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Okay, stay with me for just a bit. So you have Adam and Eve, right, in Genesis chapter 3. And it says in Genesis chapter 3 that they're in the garden, right, and they're walking with God in the cool of the day, right? And then you fast forward to Jacob. You guys know who Jacob is, right? You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the son of of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. And Jacob, he actually ended up changing his name to Israel. And he had 12 sons, and those are the, the sons of the 12 tribes of Israel, so the, the, the Jews, right? So Jacob, named Israel, he's the father of the faith, right? So you fast forward from Genesis chapter three with Adam and Eve walking with God. And now you fast forward to Genesis chapter 28 with Jacob and it says this, verses 13 through 15. The Lord's gonna be on the screen. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out towards the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Verse 15, look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Okay, fast forward to Moses in Exodus chapter chapter three, verse 11 through 12. But Moses asked to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered this in verse 12. I will certainly be 
with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Fast forward to Joshua, right? Joshua takes over for Moses. Joshua to actually lead the Israelites into the promised land. Joshua chapter one, verse five, God says this. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Fast forward to Gideon and Judges, right? People, the people of God are doing things in their own way. Things are spiraling out of control. Gideon, Judges chapter six, verses 14 through 16. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Gideon says this to God, it's classic. Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's family. Verse 16, but I will be with you, the Lord said to him. I will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Fast forward to the prophets, okay? Isaiah chapter 43, verses uh, one through five. Listen to this. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. He's talking about all the people of Israel, okay? Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you. When you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you. Cush and Seba in your place because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. Do not fear for I am with you. So from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the Old Testament, same thing, same theme. God's saying, I will be with you. What about What about the New Testament? Let's go there. Mark chapter three, verse 14. He, Jesus, appointed 12. Those are the the, the apostles, right? Appointed 12, whom he also named apostles to be with him, to send them out to preach. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Not if you keep my commands, I will love you. No, if you love me, you'll actually do what I say. You'll stay with me. You'll follow me. You'll keep my commands. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. He's talking about the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. Verse 17, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Later on in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 17, verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, right? Before Jesus ascends back to heaven, he gives the church, the disciple, the Christian, the mission of the rest of their life. Says this in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, two more. Acts chapter four, the apostles, uh, verses four through 15. When, when the people observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Last one, probably my favorite. End of time. Jesus is coming. His second coming, right? The, the fullness of the renewal of all things, heaven fully invading earth. Revelation chapter 21, verses one through four. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their, from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. What does God want? To be with you. to be with you. Friends, that's what Christmas is all about. We read it earlier, Matthew chapter one, verse 23. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. What does he want? He wants to be with you. I'll call the band up, I'll close with this. I'm almost done. You guys doing Okay. I want you to see this. This is like massive. The season, Advent, all about waiting. And the church has been doing this and celebrating this season leading up to Christmas for thousands of years. Okay, it's all about waiting. It's about anticipating Christmas. And remember, wait is something that you do. Wait is, it's a verb. And it's spelled P-O-W-E-R. That whole P-O-W-E-R thing, you know? Pray, obey, worship, enjoy, reflect. It just describes a life with God. That's really all it does. A life with God is made possible, how? By Jesus the Christ. But by God with us, by Emmanuel. Him coming to bridge the gap, the separation between sinner and, and holy God. We could be with him. That's what Christmas is. It's a celebration of the lengths that God has gone to, to what? To be with you. Here's the cool thing. The lengths that God has gone to, to be with you, no matter how many times you've walked away. No matter how how many times you've worried. Christmas says that God wants to be with you. Listen to me. Even in the red light seasons, even in the seasons when you don't understand and you don't see things clearly and you're waiting for the green light, like Erica and Sienna. Red light, red light. 
the lengths that God has gone to to be with you, even in red light seasons. And one more thing. You guys remember the story um, in Acts chapter one where Jesus, he's a, right before he's about to ascend back to heaven, he tells the disciples, do you remember the, the, the command that he gives them? He says, wait, because power from the Spirit's gonna come upon you. And what did they do? They waited because wait is a verb and it's spelled P-O-W-E-R. And then do you remember what happens? Several days go by and the Spirit of God falls on them. Pentecost, right? And now their power, power comes upon them. And you know what they did? They went from a red light season of waiting to a green light season of bringing the gospel to the world. You and I are sitting in this room because of the green light season of a handful of men and women 2,000 years ago who were responding to God coming to be with them. Here's what I want you to know. Red light seasons with God, when you actually spend your red light season with him, waiting on him, red light seasons with God, they actually give you the power that you need for the green light season when it comes. Christmas says that God wants to be with you in both the red and the green. Will you stand if you're able? I want to pray for us. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? I know you're stirring, you're stirring my heart this morning. I ask that you'd bring some more clarity um, to people. People in red light seasons, Holy Spirit, would you highlight things for us this morning right now? Would you speak to us? Um, I feel like... uh, I feel like the Spirit's highlighting this idea of permission. Like you have permission to wait on God because waiting is a verb spelled P-O-W-E-R. You actually have permission to cry out to God in prayer in your red light season. You have permission to obey Him and not turn from Him. You have permission to worship Him and praise Him and sing to Him in your red light season. You have permission to enjoy Him in your red light season. You have permission to stop, to pause for a bit and actually reflect on who he is and what he's done. So Holy Spirit, I pray that even now for the next 15, 20 minutes that every single heart and mind in this room, we'd wait on you with anticipation like a child waits for Christmas. Not with like this this discontent that's not happening when I want it to. Maybe you're up to something. Maybe, just maybe, you're developing us in a red light season because there's a green light season coming. And we need power. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. Please, we need you. I need you. And thank you that Jesus coming is proof. He's our Emmanuel. He's God with us. What you want is to be with your people. So I pray that we would live lives with you, 
lives of power. I love you, Jesus. And I pray these things in your holy and beautiful name.